Welcome to LFC Talk. Um, today we have to talk about obviously what is in the drinking water in Uruguay. And with us, we've got Gareth Roberts, one of the founders of the Anfield Rap. How are you this morning, Gareth? I'm good. Uh, a little bit disappointed, obviously, with last night, but yeah, uh, I'm all right. Um, I, I think I don't think it's it says something massive about the whole season. I think it was a bit of a a bit of a blip, but I'm sure we'll get into that. <laughs> and also with us is the man in front of the zebra, Mr. David Fairclough. How are you today, David? Yeah, good, Ragnall Gareth. Good to see everybody. And whoever is watching this on YouTube, we also have with us Marley Rose here on my lap. So it's it's uh, it's uh, a four-leaf clover today. I don't know if Marley is going to say too much about headbutting, but we certain, certainly will. Let's start with you, Gareth. Um, what's your take on, on, on yesterday's game and the fact that we've got the first red card from, from violent uh, behaviour under Klopp in, in total? Um, yeah, um, I mean, it, it was a strange, a strange night. I thought in many ways, and you know, Liverpool started with with decent enough intensity, and we're obviously bossing the game and dominating possession, uh, pretty good until they got to the box, really. Um, and then there was just sort of that that edge missing in the box. Although what I would say is there was a lot of, I think there was twenty four shots all in all from Liverpool. Um, and 10 of them were blocked, which also tells you about Palace's performance a, a little bit in that, you know, a lot of the defending was quite last-ditch and things like that. But equally, there was chances in there that that I thought Liverpool should have taken. Um, you know, Mo Salah and the quality he's got, he has a chance that you've seen him do better within the past. Nunes before, ridiculous headbutton and sending off. He has a couple there that he should be doing better with as well. Uh, Carvalho, when he comes on, he has a decent chance there. He was unlucky, I thought, with that. So, you know, on, on another night, it's one of those where you think, well, Liverpool could have easily won. And, you know, I, I thought the performance when we went down to 10 was actually really encouraging. And, and you know, that was that was the Liverpool we know and love, if you like, including from the fans at that point as well, because there was a little bit of standing there waiting for me from the fans. You know, the considering it was the first home game of the season, and Monday night doesn't help, and I know that. But... You know, it wasn't it wasn't hairs on the back of the neck. It wasn't goosebumps atmosphere, but the red cards where you know all of a sudden we're up against it. That's such a scouse thing to say. Okay, well we'll show you now. We're down to ten men, and we're going to come back, and we're going to win now. And it was like, well, if we could have embraced that a little bit earlier and got behind them in the same way earlier on, who knows? So that was a little bit disappointing. But yet the um, the red cards ridiculous, um, and as you say, first one for violent conduct under Klopp, which tells you about how he runs the team, what he says to the players. And I, I can remember a question a long time ago, one of the journalists uh, way back when said to Klopp about sort of the darker arts of the game and about getting stuck in and, you know, all that British stuff, if you like. And he basically said that it wasn't for him. He, he said he doesn't want his sides to, to play that way. He wants them to be aggressive in terms of pressing, in terms of their energy, in terms of giving, you know, the other side no time to play whatsoever. But he's not into that kind of stuff. And, you know, when he said afterwards he's going to have a way with the player, you can imagine it would be quite a stern one because to get sucked in by the centre-half in that way, I mean, I'm you know, I'm sure David's got plenty to say on it about, you know, how he would have been treated as a player over the years. It, it's it's Sunday league stuff, isn't it? You know what I mean? Get, you know, little pinches and winding you up and, you know, all of that. And, like, as, as a forward, as a, as a centre-forward... 
you should you should be able to cope with that. You shouldn't be reacting in that way. You've given him exactly what he wants. And, you know, there's people saying about his reaction and falling over like he's being polaxed and all that. That's what happens. That's what players do. He's playing the game and he's got a lad sent off. And, and they've nearly won it as well, by the way, when they hit the post from Zahar. He looked like he went with his wrong foot there, really. But yeah, so it's disappointing. And, and also, it's not just disappointing for, for last night. It's disappointing in terms of we haven't actually got really a, a fit striker at the moment. And, you know, he would have been starting at the weekend, sorry, against Manchester United. He would have been starting against, you know, Bournemouth, Newcastle. And now those options are, and Everton, yeah, and you know those those options are ruled out now. So we've paid you know sixty odd million for the lads. It could go up to eighty odd million. He's he's let his teammates down. He's let the side down, and he needs to learn from that and learn from it quickly. David, um, you as a striker, can you try to describe what it's like when all those defenders try to sort of do whatever they can to psych you out? How much did that go on in your time? Oh gosh, it went on all the time. Uh, the 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 main the the main difference in our time was there was no VAR, so <laughs> things were going on outside the line of you know the the referee's eyesight, and uh, and so players got away with all kinds of different things. Um, but there's no hiding place these days. And um, granted, uh, Tini himself saw it last night, so it wasn't clever on on uh, on Nunez's part to do it. So so blatantly but um yeah we we were you know we were afforded opportunities to uh, sort our own battles out on the pitch the game has changed and um it, it's it's something i think i believe he's had a little bit of a a record for it it can be a little bit fiery uh, and maybe that was in palace's uh, pre-match plan and uh, it's something that clearly he has to um he has to you know recover from and, and pick up and and kind of play the Liverpool way, Liverpool game, because as Gareth said, um Jurgen doesn't endorse that style of play. So he'll not be here very long if unless he he picks, you know, he learns from this lesson. And uh, it's a brutal, it's a it's a tough lesson to learn. And maybe the good thing is that it's come very early in his in his Liverpool career. You you know there has been situations in your time as well where where the managers come up and said we'll have a word about this tomorrow. How would the player feel at this point? You know he can't have slept well last night, can he? No, he'll be he'll, he'll be very disappointed. I'm sure his home debut. Uh, he he would have been really looking forward to it. Would have wanted to start off on a on a high note and not something like that. Um, you know, thankfully, I never played for a manager who I believe has the anger and the, the ferocity of Jurgen. Uh, I believe he has quite a temper. Uh, I'm told from someone within the club, so you wouldn't want to be on the uh, the other end of um, of Jurgen's uh, thoughts this morning. I think because it cost it did cost the team. Um, we could have quite not easily, but I felt confident that we we could get a couple of goals last night, even in the second you know in the second half. We had a little chat in, in the halftime break, and and not you know none of the little group I was with felt that you know well okay we'll get over this. So to lose you know to lose a man, what, 10, 15 minutes into the into the second half that you know he's he, he cost us the game ultimately. But you know as Gareth said, we did come on fire uh, playing with ten men, both you know in the stands and and on the pitch. Is that something that you would say is like a typical Liverpool thing as well that? 
you know, like I'd say, you know, we, we can do this, you know, we, we will show them. Well, we've probably played better against 11 than sometimes when we've been playing against 10, because Liverpool played against 10 men on a number of occasions last season and didn't look uh, capable. But last night, actually, it was it was a case of looking and saying, well, who has got the, uh, you know, who has got the one-man light? Um, because Liverpool's effort was brilliant and, and you just wish, that, I know Gareth touched upon it earlier on, that we played maybe with a little bit more of that intensity in the first half. I mean, there were, there were good things to enjoy in the first half, but there's still a spark missing for me. Um, not sure that the midfield balance wasn't wasn't quite right. Uh, they're, they're not a bad team, Palace. Um, you know, I was talking before the game last night. I remember Palace coming to Manfield last year under Vieira. They play a different game. They, they've got some clever players. They're a fit team. They, they don't just sit back and um, and let you, you know, sort of try and withhold and then look for the draw. They do look to, to win games. So it was always going to be very, very difficult. Um, and I just thought the team selection was wrong probably for the for the opponent that we were playing. Um, I'm a little bit terrified in terms of how many games he will be punished by. Um, I know, I remember Dembele had a, a pinch uh, towards the eye of a player and got six games, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. Could we look into something like this? Could, could it be that bad? Because it was such a direct, uh, violent behaviour. Can we look at more than three games, do you think? Um, personally, I, personally, I don't think so. I don't know what Gareth thinks, but I, I don't see the... Uh, there was no sort of add-ons to to what he did. It was a red card offence. You're off. He didn't. He didn't make a, a song and dance about it. You know. Thankfully, uh, Milner was on the scene very quick and just said, you know, take the take the card and and, and get off. So with that in mind, for me, three three is a, is a tough one. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't. I think I'm not defending. Right? Because there is a reaction there, and he'd also had a bit of a go uh, just before that, where he tried to throw his head backwards. You know, there's a little compilation going, isn't there? I don't know if you've seen it, where it's showing the interactions between him and the defender all the way through the game, and it, it, it's a classic centre half performance. He's he's in his ear all the way through. Nunes clearly gets wound up. I thought he was wound up generally watching him. You know, you you look at him when Palace scored their goal. And it was a good goal, by the way. Um, and he's waving his arms around and he looked frustrated in terms of, you know, he should have scored, like even the one where he's at the post, he, he should put that away. Mm-hmm. And I think he was I think he was absolutely desperate to impress. You know, it was his home debut, he's got the big price tag around his neck, all of that kind of stuff. I think he was going out there really pumped up and, and wanted to show this is why Jurgen Klopp's paid this money for me. And I think it, it spilled over into, into the wrong way. So maybe maybe not just a chat with Jurgen this week, maybe a chat with the, the club psychologist as well, just talk about the you know the old inner chimp, as Steve Peter calls it, Steve Peters calls it, because I think that escaped out of its cage for Nunes last night. Um, but in terms of the actual incident... There's, there's sort of like a puff of the chest, isn't there? And his head does go in and it does make content, contact, but it's not like he stood there, took a step back and gone, boom, you know what I mean? And put it right in. Not like, so a, I think, Joey, not like a Joey Jones headbutt. Uh, yeah. Or, or a Tommy Pitt one. Not a proper one. But, 
So it's not one of them. So I think I, I'm 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 with David in that. I think it'll be I think it'll be three games. I don't I don't think you up it. I think there's an option to make it four, isn't there? Under the rules as well, which has been used before in these circumstances. So you know you said about it, it, it could stretch to Everton as well. Um, we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that, won't we? But I'm 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 fairly hopeful it'll just be the three. You know, it, it's a funny it's a funny one. I'm not wishing to defend it because you don't defend it. But I've been in that situation. Um, in my younger days, uh, you, you wonder what he's going to do. For you. You're looking at each other eye to eye, and you think, "Is he going to? You know, is he going to do something? Are I going to do something?" It's like when the gun goes off, who reacts first? And and I don't know whether or not there was a bit of that. You know, I think he's thinking, you know, and only he can, only he, the, the two of them can tell because they're that close. And you just think, what was uh, you know the intent from from Palace? And I think he's. I don't know, bit of, bit of a reaction. Uh, he'll be embarrassed. He'll be embarrassed by it. I would imagine. I, I remember getting sent off for something as well when I played in Belgium. Um, at the time, I did try to defend myself and and and, and sort of explain it away. Uh, when I saw it the next day on the television, totally embarrassed. Uh, and, and and Nunes, I think, will have a similar reaction. It's not uh, clever. But then again, you know, we can be proud of the fact that we only had nine red cards over the uh, period of almost seven years under Jurgen Klopp, which is pretty decent. I mean, some some teams get that in a, in a season, really. Um, so so that's a good thing. And and if we move over to the positive sides of things, I mean that that one goal we did get, what a fine goal that was! Did it did it pass five or six players? I, I sort of lost count. He was just completely going for it and showing his quality. Didn't he just? I think we I think we saw that off him last year. Uh, that type of move, where you know, I think it's in it's in every game. But we saw it straight away. That that is his style. He isn't sometimes uh, you know intent on going direct. He will he will skirt around, look for the opportunity where he'll lay off. He's a clever he's a clever player. I mean, uh, you know, he, we've all we've all really taken to Diaz, and um, it needed a little bit of magic at the time because. They then put that wall up, you know. They they better did, and and looked like they were going to hang on to that, you know, try and hang on to the one nil. So it needed something special, and uh, you know, cometh the hour, um, you know, fantastic. Um, Jurgen, I think, had made a comment uh, a couple of days previous, saying he just feels like Diaz need to get a goal early on to to get his season up and running, and that, that that's you know that's a great thing for 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 Luis Diaz. And you can't really sort of compare uh, South American players because South America is such a huge country, and and he's such a different personality to uh, to Nunez. I've learned that you're supposed to say Nunez, not Nunes. Yeah, a little castaña. Yeah, a little curl there. Um, can we say something about sort of? Is there something about Uruguay here? I'm just everyone's thinking back on the on the biting business with Luis Suarez. Is there an extra aggression in Uruguay? I don't know much about Uruguay. I only have one friend from Uruguay, and he's completely, absolutely nothing crazy. Um, what is it with Uruguayan players? Is there something? Well, I think I think you look back to the old days of, uh, and you got to go back a long way. Um, the violent sort of aspect of the game is always associated with South America. I think in, in, in more modern times it has been diluted and there does tend to be, uh, there's something there. They are hot-blooded, but uh, I'm not sure it's totally Uruguayan. I think it's it's uh, 
it's um, it, it, it's coincidence. I would I would say that uh, we've had our previous our previous uh, Uruguayan star uh, who uh, you know who got himself into a bit of hot water from time to time. Yeah, it's a good thing that perhaps you know uh, that uh, uh, Darwin didn't bite uh, bite him last night because uh, you know, <laughs> don't know what the punishment would be for that uh, now in the in these days. But um, yeah, I think I think. Uh, it's nice to have that fire, you know, some fire, isn't it? And and, and Diaz has that, you know, his work rate, his chasing back, his attitude is is, is amazing. Um, I actually got a chance to uh, be up, up up and close to Diaz last night. He got the Man of the Match award in the Carlsberg Lounge. Um, can't believe how slight he is. It's amazing. Um, you know, he looks much bigger on the pitch, but, uh, you know, he, he's something special for me. Yeah, his, his nickname was Noodle, wasn't it? Um, apparently, because he was so skinny. Um, but I mean, what, what I liked about that goal, apart from the obvious, because it was very pleasing on the eye, like you said, he goes past five or six, and then he's he's put it right in the corner. I think I think you know David said there cometh the hour, and it was one of them. It was almost like he was like right, well, you know, he, he's got that that burning thing in him, which you know, obviously Nunes has as well, and certainly Suarez had, and you know, it, it's almost like he's like right. I need to do something here now, and otherwise this match is gone. And he decides to run at the defenders, and he decides to keep going, and he decides to get the shot off. That's a mentality thing, that. And I actually thought first half that both him and Elliot at times were playing too safe, you know. And you know what they've got in the locker. You know that they're capable of doing things like that. And you were like, well, if if you've got a tightly packed defence who are sitting deep, you just want to catch it on the break. We need you to bring that kind of stuff to the occasion. We need you to take players on. We need you to, sh- you know, show a bit of magic. And we were a little bit predictable around the edge of the box, I thought. You know, there wasn't that running at them. There wasn't getting defenders to commit. You know, Harvey Elliott a couple of times just thought, play the ball inside when you were like, take the lad on. I know you, yeah. I've seen you do it. Or, or crack a shot because, you, yeah. you know, Harvey's got a shot on him as well. So... I don't know. I don't know what that was about. I I, I kind of generally thought yesterday that um, you know you used to watch Liverpool with the the old front three of you like, and you sort of you knew what you were getting and you could see how systematically it worked. And I think last night you were looking at it going, I can't see systematically how it works. I mean, and that's going to be the case, isn't it? With bedding in with Nunes. And I actually think, you know, they almost didn't know how to use them at times. And there's a couple of times they went long and I was like, well, I hope, I hope that doesn't become too much of a thing. And actually, you know, Salah wasn't involved e- enough last night in front of goal. I mean, I mentioned earlier that he had an effort, but, you know, he, he looked good. His touch was good and things like that, but he looked a little bit easily, too easily nullified. So I think they've got a... I think they've got to work on that, how that's going to work. And and again, going back to the disappointments of them being sent off, we've now got at least three games where they can't work on that during a match, which is the most important time to do it. So that it's disappointing both in terms of last night, in terms of the ban he's going to get, and then in terms of after the ban, he's, he's sort of extended his bed in period now as well. So it's, you know, all round, it's 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 a big blow that he got sent off. Yeah, that's all very true, Gareth. I'll just, just going back to one point you made, we were sitting there in the first half and I was sitting next to Roy Evans uh, and Roy said, we don't, we don't have, you know, uh, we don't have anybody who goes direct at the, and takes people on, yeah. you know. And that was a feature in the first half. You thought, 
have a go. We knew what their the plan was. I don't think it was a rigid back line. I thought, uh, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to be too unkind to to, to Palace, but still and all, uh, it needed to. We needed to be more direct, and, and you can't slow. You can't against packed defenses. You can't play it slow. You've got to you've got to scare people. And a couple of times there were a little bit of link play directly in front of us on the on the left side where they got into that little crossing position. But um, sometimes as well, getting into those crossing positions, our crosses were poor. Uh, and that's you know it's something that we've uh, there, was, there was something missing clearly last night, and um, we, we, we've got to sharpen up. I always felt that this season was going to be tough on the back of last year. The expectancy level is, is massive, um, and to attain that uh, the, the level of last year and keep that real challenge going with Manchester City, you know, you know, I, I was always thinking, well, hoping that that we were going to be able to to show it right from the off. I think we're going to have to. You know, I think take the good with the bad for the moment until to, until things settle down. But also, we've been a little bit unlucky. I mean, that 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 iffy penalty we got um, against Fulham. We we hit the woodwork there. We hit the woodwork again last night. We, you know, the margins are so small. So we have started off disappointingly. You know, only taking two points out of the six. But if you think about it. We're sitting in the 12th position, but guess who's at the very, very bottom? <laughs> That's Manchester United that we're meeting um, Monday next week. And, I mean, they've only scored one goal. They've let in six already in, in two rounds. What's going on over there? Well, you know, there's been a lot said about United's problems over the last uh, couple of weeks. Um, but for a game against us, you know, uh, the fans are going to be up for it. And um, it'd have been great if we were going there with four points, but now they're talking, you know, the incentive for them is, you know, win against us and they go above us. So they'd want, you know, we kind of, we, we play that game, don't we? Tit for tat. I mean, they, they, they'd love nothing more than to leapfrog over Liverpool. So it's become, you know, we, we, we've added a little bit of fuel to their fire, but still they have massive problems and they, they are a very ordinary team. Um yeah, and it will be interesting, you know, Gareth said about working our, our game plan out. Uh, hopefully, uh, Robbie Firmino's fit for, for next Monday and um, and we look something of like, you know, something that we're kind of used to, uh, to, a system that we're used to playing with. What do you think, Gareth, about Monday's match? Will they step, step up just because it's us or do you think we will hammer them? I think they'll try to um, and I think you know behind the scenes I'm sure there'll be plenty of people saying to Ten Hag that you know it's not being the easiest of starts for him obviously and there's already you know the doubters out there like the, there always will be with a club of that size but I'm sure as I say there'll be people saying to him you know you go out and win that that's a huge sticking plaster that's that'll that'll you know all of a sudden morale will be much different all of a sudden the conversations will be very different and as David says, you know, it'll be it'll be Liverpool then who's the the crisis club with you know only two points from three games in the Premier League, and no doubt City will win again. And so you know they'll be talking about the gap, etc. I think it's a huge game, you know, for that reason. But I think you know what what we've we've all enjoyed about Liverpool, I think, over the past you know however many years now where we've been regularly challenging is is their man- mentality, and you know I think you saw that at 10 men last night you know they could have easily won the game at 10 men and that was that was the Liverpool we know and love at that point and I I I think that Liverpool will emerge at Old Trafford 
And, you know, there's nothing Man U can do, I don't think, really, that would surprise you because of the players they've got. There's only so much the, he can do, the manager, and, and we're seeing that already. You know, you can you can basically bring in who, who you want with that group right now, managerially-wise. There's just too many of them who aren't good enough. You know, they, they've, they've made the mistake that Liverpool made in the past where they started to sign players who aren't really of the standard for, for the club they are. And they've got that many there now. That it's going to take a few years for me to for, to turn it around, so it won't be turned around by next. It won't be turned around by next Monday, um, and I think there's still a poor side. Um, there's clearly issues. There's all stuff coming out in the press all the time. So they, they've got like a very leaky dressing room in terms of you know people talking behind people's backs. It doesn't feel like they're very together in general at the club from top to bottom. Whereas at Liverpool, you would say they are. So okay, you know. Last night, we, I mean, we haven't even mentioned it on this show yet. You know, there's 10 players missing last night. And then you've got Gomez and Henderson who were deemed only able to come on as substitutes. But when they did come on as substitutes, you saw the difference. I mean, you know, we were all surprised, I'm sure, to see Nat Phillips lining up. And, you know, he did okay, but ultimately, you know, he's, he's caught for pace on the goal. And one of the things Gomez has got is pace. Um, and I, I thought Gomez looked good when he came on as well. So did Henderson. So if we if we could have a little bit more fortune around, you know, availability of players, if we can get Firmino back, if we can get Gomez back and Henderson, all of a sudden the first team looks a bit a little bit more recognisable. I think we can go there and win 100%. But, you know, quite right to say that, you know, their fans will be up for it. The manager will no doubt talk the team into it. But, we saw last time we went there that quite easily, and we've seen it this season already as well. Their heads go down quite quickly. You know, the morale isn't in the right place for them. And I'm sure whatever gets said, if we can go there and get an early goal again, like we did last time, we can go and win them, beat them comfortably again. Maybe not 5 0, but here's hoping. 6 0. Um, <laughs> <yeah. laughs> I, I, I wouldn't disagree with anything you say, Gareth. I think it's, uh, we, we will go with. You know, despite our problems, for the most part, we'll go with a system that we're we'll, we'll probably be quite comfortable with, and and it'll I'll be quite familiar. Uh, there might be the the odd little change in midfield, um, but no, I, I I fully expect Liverpool to uh, to to be. Uh, it's, e- it's an easier game for us than them. I think they've got you know, as you say, the problems that they face. They're not going to heal in in, in six days. Uh, there's too much wrong. You said, David, that you always predicted this season would have a difficult start. But where do you two now see us uh, in terms of the end of the season? I know it's a long way to go, but I just can't stand people writing Liverpool off after two rounds. It's just like ridiculous thinking about it. I I think when I saw the fixture list, I didn't think really particularly it was a difficult fixture list. I did think we would get through the games. But I just thought from a mentality thing to, to be totally in tune with what they had last year. It was such a massive effort. The intensity, week in, week out. Uh, just hoped that, you know, would they be able to, you know, get to those, you know, at what point would they get to those levels again? Or will they get to those levels again? But I didn't think, I didn't expect them to start with two draws. I, I did expect them to start with two wins. Uh, even, you know, with the, with the United game, I, I thought the, the, the start for us has, has been quite kind, I think. I, I think. So, um but it's just, um, you know, being a Liverpool player and handling that expectancy and uh, the the battle that you get every week, you know, it's been set down, down the years. 
to, for everybody, you know, for everybody else, it's their cup final when they can play against Liverpool every, every week. And Liverpool players have really, really got to be up for it. And at the moment, maybe we're just not quite at that at that point, you know, in, on, on sort of running on auto kind of thing. Are you still confident we'll win the league, Gareth, this year? I mean, you shouldn't be right. You're right to say you shouldn't be writing anything off after two games. You know, that it that is daft. But equally, it's hard psychologically to look at it and say, well, it isn't a blow to not be taking full points from Fulham and Crystal Palace. Their games, you've got to be looking at and saying, if you're going for a title, you've got to win those games. So to be four points behind Man City, knowing what a machine they can be at times, is disappointing and is tough to take. And, you know, when we've had two seasons in recent history where we've lost the league by a point and we were bemoaning draws in both of those seasons, then to get two so early is is obviously disappointing. But equally, you know, if we, if we flip it to the glass half full, you know, last season we came from 14 points behind Man City to take them all the way to the wire. We reach all the finals, we win two cups, etc. So, you know, we know that this team, this group can get momentum and can get on a run and can start clocking up lots of wins. We're capable of beating Man City as well. Um, so it, it's not done by any stretch. But what I would say is there are clearly some issues that, you know, could derail the season. I, I, I'm, it's touch and go where they go. I mean, you know, Dave, Dave mentioned the, the midfield before. And for me, like, you know, having Thiago in midfield is transformative. He's, he's a brilliant player. And all of a sudden, Liverpool look a much better side when he's in the side. So to have him out already is a blow. And when you look at his record, unfortunately, in recent years, he, he's he's playing sort of 50 and 60% of a season rather than the whole season. So, you know, there's a track record there of saying that's likely what you're going to get from him and you've got to be able to deal with it. And then... There are other issues there as well. You know, Milner's 36 now, Henderson's 32, Keita's unpredictable. Um, and then after that, really, you're starting to talk about young lads in terms of Curtis Jones, in terms of Elliot, etc. Chamberlain's not fired for a long time, really, for me. I thought he might have gone this summer. So, you know, there are lots of question marks there, and I totally understand why there are plenty of people getting themselves in a state about why... Liverpool haven't signed a midfielder in this window. I, I think if they were being able to get one out, I think that's perhaps one of the issues. So I, I thought it was nailed on Chamberlain would go. And I'm actually quite surprised he's still here. There was even talk Naby could go because he's down, I think he's down to his last 12 months now. So I think they planned on shaking up the midfield. And you go back to, we were linked with the lads heavily, weren't we? We went to uh, Real Madrid in the end. I, I can't pronounce his name. I've already embarrassed myself on a show mm-hmm. this morning. Look, Dave's the, Dave's the pro there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we were heavily linked with him. It didn't seem we were in for him and he chose Real Madrid. But we know that this is how they work. They don't want to take a, a second or a third option, which Liverpool have done in the past. They want it to be nailed on as much as possible that this lad we are going for is going to come in and improve the team 100%. But, I, I, you know, I mentioned most of the midfield there. There's a question mark about so many of them. Um, and I think that's an issue. And, and who ends up on the pitch on, on a regular basis in the middle will be really influential on where Liverpool go. And like I say, the Thiago thing's a real blow for me. Yeah, Thiago's a massive blow. Um, I mean, it's undoubtedly 
his ability is is, is amazing, and uh, I think he, he gives us something really different. But uh, yeah, that, that's a, that's a blow, and, and because of that, I, I just wonder whether or not he might. I don't know whether they might surprise us and just come up with one that they've, you know, that they've had their eye on, or you know, make make the commitment earlier than maybe uh, they had plans to. Um, a number of people have said it, you know, different ones. I was uh, listening to Graham Sunest the other day. Feels the same. There's plenty of us, in, in, you know, in and around Liverpool who just feel, see that that is the one area of concern, the midfield, isn't it? So. Uh, I'd love to love to think they might you know, just be able to capture a big, a, a big sort of uh, star and you know somebody somebody special from midfield. We are definitely paying the price for the injuries at the start of the season. But Gareth, uh, the last thing you've done for the Anfield Wrap that you um, funded many years ago was making uh, a, a huge piece called "Paying the Price for um, Passion." A tour yeah. special, uh, which is the Anfield wrap, obviously. Um, so we have a long season ahead now also for the supporters. And for some of the supporters out there, uh, seasons are costing them dearly. Tell us a little bit about that project. Yeah, so it was just some, it's something I did in conjunction with Amanda Jack. So she's a, a caseworker for the Football Supporters Association. And she's she's the go-to basically for a lot of football fans when they find themselves in trouble um, with the police. Get in touch with them and that she can point you in the right direction, tell you the things you need to be saying, you know, get your legal advice, all of that kind of thing. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people seeing that, you know, there's been a lot of talk um, in the mainstream media about a, a growth in violence and disorder around football matches, a, a growth in cocaine usage, a growth in, you know, basically unacceptable behaviour around football. So we thought we'd have a little dig into it, really, and look into, you know, the whys and wherefores. But what I wanted to get into was really the motivation for that kind of behaviour and why people end up in that place. And what we found interesting was that a lot of people start from a position seemingly of, you know, they support the football team, they love the club, they go to games, they start going home and away. And they just get dragged into a lifestyle, really, and then find it hard to get back out again. So, what we what we we were able to speak to a series of people all around the country um, who've been involved in, in in football violence, who've who've ended up being addicted to cocaine, who drink too much, all of these sorts of behaviours which are associated to them going to football. And we just talked about the hows and the whys, how they got there, how they intended to get out. We spoke to a fan who went home and away for 40 years and, and now has just given football up totally um, because in his mind, you know, he realised that he wasn't getting the time with his family that that he should. It wasn't particularly making him happy anymore and he's, he's walked away from it. So he talks about that experience. Uh, we spoke to uh, a football officer who goes home and away uh, with clubs in Lancashire um, he was brilliant, actually, and you know he talked about building relationships with fans, talking to them about why they act like they act, trying to nip things in the bud. But you know you've seen stuff from the like, for instance, the heads of football policing in this country is Mark Roberts. Now people who will have seen my stuff on the Anfield app in the past will know I'm no fan of how he is about football fans because his answer to everything is more bans, more police, more police, more people in cells, etc. 
we literally had a football officer there who's on the front line, if you want to call it that, who said he didn't think we can ban our way out of this problem. And he, what, what he was advocating, what other people were advocating as well, was that we actually start to speak to people and try and understand why they're behaving in this way and try and help them get out of it, not just throw them in the slammer and expect them to behave differently when they get out. Because again, our evidence from making this documentary was that there were lads there who openly admitted that they went down, they had a jail term, they emerged the other side, went back again to the same way of life because they, they called it an addiction. That was their words, not mine. That they they said they were addicted to to a life of, you know, the, the thrill of the violence and and the buzz around that and the adrenaline and all the rest of it. Um, equally, the you know the, the issue around cocaine. We, we we discussed that in depth with with some of these fans, and you know there was a lad there saying, for for the group he goes with, it's as common as having a pint. You know that's how it's that's how it's viewed, and this is a class A drug and a highly addictive drug, and also one where, you know, the the, the police officer said on the show, it's never better than thirty percent actually cocaine, and the rest of it, it could be anything. Do you know what I mean? And and people are taking this on a regular basis more and more, and we're seeing this shift in behaviour. The police are re- reacting. And we've got this sort of vicious circle going on. So, yeah, we put a lot of effort into it. Went all around the country, um, got lots and lots of interviews, spoke to um, the head of security for the English Football League as well, spoke to someone who works in mental health for the NHS. And, yeah, it's a free show as well, so you don't need to subscribe to the Anfield app for that one. It's available there for nothing on all podcast platforms. It's on Spotify as well. And as you say, it's called uh, Paying the Price for Passion. I've had a lot of good feedback about it. And I'm really pleased how, it, how it's turned out. Hopefully it sort of sparks a conversation around it all. What a meaningful thing to do, David. Yeah, most definitely. Obviously, that you know, people can get to, can look at football sometimes in its purest, you know, form but there are a lot of issues uh going on around football and it's not um it, it's not nice to to, to see some uh, some things uh, and hear things really I, I don't see it really that much myself but I know I've heard of I've heard of plenty of things going wrong and you know uh, all sort of linked to the stuff that Gareth uh, just mentioned there so um yeah it's nice that uh, the, the people are trying to do something about it because we all love football in 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 its sort of natural guise, but um, you know you you can, you you have got to be uh, aware that uh, that, it, that it's it's been changing a little bit, and and we don't want it to be ruined. Gareth, you decided to leave the Anfield Wrap, which is uh, making me shocked to the bone because uh, you are my <laughs> favourite on on the show. I've, I've been contributing there for years myself, uh, on and off, um, just for fun, obviously, because I, I love talking football with you guys. And, and you've left after after building it up from nothing uh, over so many years. Why? I mean, it's just it, it, as you say, built it up over years, and it's been it's been best part of eleven years uh, from start to to finish, if you like. And I, you know, I just found that um, it, it reached the point really where I just thought, well, can I really do videos for you know the rest of my life? Sit, you know, going into to bars straight after the game and go get in on YouTube and all. You know, like I'm I'm forty six now, so I, I just basically thought, you know. 
maybe I should start thinking about what's next, what's after the Anfield app, what what other directions could my career take. And I've been doing little bits of of teaching. I've done some stuff at John Moore's University with the journalism students there, uh, been into some local colleges and stuff as well. And I quite enjoy that. So I'm hoping to develop that side of it. But equally, I don't want to totally walk away from you know the football journalism side of it as well, if I, if I can. So I'm hoping to sort of keep my eye in, do things like this. Uh, I did off the ball in Ireland. Uh, did that with them this morning as well. So I'm hoping to still do bits. Uh, I'm open to ideas and to opportunities. And, and right now, I'm just in, enjoying having a little bit of time out. Um, you know, I, I look after my nan. Uh, and things like that. My nan's ninety nine now. Uh, oh. Due the message from the, uh, mm. she's due the message from the Queen in January, uh, which she is very much looking forward to. I think so. Yeah. So you know that it's made it's made it a bit easier to do to 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 do that having a bit of time out. Uh, also to see a bit more family and things like that. And it was quite strange last night to go go to the match. So there's a fan every once again and have a few pints with my mates beforehand. Mm. Um, go straight home afterwards and I'm not have to sort of record anything or write anything. Um, but, you know, longer term, I, I do intend to sort of get back to that kind of thing. So we'll see how it develops. But also that, the, the podcast you mentioned there, you know, that was a little bit different. It was more of a, a, a documentary. It took a lot of time to put together, but I really enjoyed doing it. And quite a few people have said to me, you know, is that not something you'd explore and there's one or two ideas around doing more stuff like that. So I've been speaking to a few uh, different organisations about maybe doing something for them. So we'll see. There's there's lots of little irons in the fire and little conversations taking place. But for now, I'm just having a little rest. <laughs> oh, well, you will be some scoop and somebody scoops you up uh, and, and, and bring oh, you, you onwards from now because you are a superstar when it comes to football. And we are very, very, very lucky to have you on. Uh, this morning on the LFC Talk. Gareth Roberts, it's been a pleasure seeing you again, uh, even though we are in different countries at the moment, but that's not going to last for very much longer because I'm on my way back to Liverpool, hooray, uh, after a rainy summer in Norway. Uh, and David Fairclough, thank you so much, as always, okay. for being the the true true hero of, of this podcast. Uh, have you got anything exciting on for the rest of the week? Oh God! A bit of this and a bit of that. Ragnild, it's, uh, <laughs> like like uh, Gareth, a few irons in the fire. There's a few things popping, up, you know, uh, bobbing up and down, uh, and sort of uh, keeping me involved in a variety of things. So, not all football, but uh, the football will will feature at some point, I'm sure. Well, let's just cross our fingers that the ban on uh, Nunez isn't too bad. Uh, we will know probably in a, in a, in a few hours or, or days. How long does this sort of thing take? How long How long do we have to wait before we get the uh, verdict? hours, I think, maximum, I think, before you... Yeah, they, they, they act pretty quick on these type of mm. things, don't they? They, yeah. Yeah, they? they give you something quickly and then say you've got so long to answer it. Otherwise, they just say, yeah. Yeah, send the letter in the post, and and he'll have it probably tomorrow. I would, I would expect. Yeah. So if you are uh, a very talented football player from Uruguay, please do not drink the tap water. Please, please only buy <laughs> imported water from from now onwards. And uh, that's all for now. Up the Reds, and uh, we'll be back next week. <laughs>